The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your own room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is Ash Wednesday, of course, and tonight I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk, uh, first of all, uh, about a connection between Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent with the book of Jonah, which is going to serve as our, um, uh, the basis of our, our Lenten series throughout the Wednesday uh, midweek services during Lent. So that's the first thing I want to talk about, a couple things from Jonah. And then I want to make a more general point about Ash Wednesday and why I think um, it's important that we gather uh, to do what we just did and put the sign of the cross on our forehead. So first of all, the book of Jonah. Um, when we think about Jonah, I think most of us uh, immediately think of a, a big fish that swallows the, the prophet. Uh, Pastor Valerie Strand Patterson preached on a passage from Jonah a few months ago, and uh, she said afterwards, after sort of studying it, that, you know, this would really make a good uh, series for Lent. And so we've been meeting as pastors. We actually just had a, a short retreat to plan this series and I uh, hope that over the next uh, five weeks um, you will discover that the story of Jonah is a whole lot more than just a story of a big fish and it's a rich um, repository of all kinds of wonderful themes for us to reflect on uh, throughout the season. Tonight though, I just want to make a couple of very specific connections again to Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent um, because they sort of present themselves very obviously in the third chapter of Jonah. Jonah, by the way, is a very, very short book. It's only four chapters and each of them is, is very brief. Uh, in the third chapter, though, here's the first connection to the season of Lent. Uh, Jonah has made it to Nineveh where God has told him to go and preach 
and he is now going to deliver the message that God wants him to give to the people of Nineveh, and here is the entirety of that message. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all that Jonah says. And it's that first word, or the first number, 40, which I want to lift up tonight. 40 shows up a number of times in the Bible. Um, It shows up in the story of Noah. It shows up in the story of Moses uh, and the Exodus. It shows up with prophets like Elijah. It shows up in a place like this, and it also shows up uh, in the life of Jesus. So 40 is a really significant number, and it usually suggests some kind of time of a prayer, a time of repentance, a time of uh, withdrawal maybe, a time of being present more fully to God. And Lent, of course, is a season that is 40 days. If you go back home and look at your calendar and say, well, Tim was confused because it's more than that. In the season of Lent, we take out Sundays, so they don't count towards that 40 days. Each of them is considered a mini Easter, so they're removed from the calculation. But we are now entering a period of 40 days Uh, with all of those same themes, repentance, meditation, prayer, giving alms, uh, hopefully growth, okay? So that's the first connection for the number 40. And just a couple of verses after that, uh, again, so Jonah has given the message to the people of Nineveh, and surprisingly to him, and again, we'll talk more about this in the weeks ahead, uh, the king of Nineveh, who's a huge enemy, that country's a huge enemy of the Jewish people, um, responds to the message. And here's what it says he does. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And so that's the second very specific connection to what we're doing tonight. And ashes, again, are used um, a lot in the Bible, and they symbolize, again, they symbolize repentance, they symbolize humility, they symbolize a time of grief, And also, again, for us as we enter this season, um, that's part of what we're moving into, a time of repentance, a time of grieving over our own sins. And then um, a few verses after that, I just want to lift up uh, the final response of the king. This is the second time this almost identical response comes um, from the people who interact with Jonah. And it's a, it's a wonderful uh, response from this king. Again, he's, he's heard the message. He covers himself, or he dresses himself in sackcloth. He sits in the ashes, and then he says this. Who knows? Question mark. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. Who knows? And this is, again, the second time this shows up in the book of Jonah. In both instances, it's outsiders who, through that question, who knows, Uh, recognize that maybe God's grace, maybe God's love is big enough even to reach them, people who are outsiders, okay? So again, a couple of connections to the book of Jonah. We'll pick all of this up next week at our first midweek Lenten service. So that's the first point I want to make is a a couple of connections to to that. Um, The other point I want to make tonight, again, is sort of a broader point about what we're doing here. Again, each of you just walked up and we made the sign of the cross on your forehead and said, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I'm going to submit to you tonight that we live in a culture that is not enthusiastic about death, and in fact that does a whole lot to avoid thinking about or facing death. 
And so Christians like us come together on a night like this, and I think at some level the rest of the culture is looking at us thinking, what is wrong with you all? Why are you being so depressing? And why are you being so negative? And why are you being so morbid? <clears throat> Which, by the way, I don't believe we are. And so I want to push back gently against that sort of cultural assumption. And, and I actually think we could spend a long time tonight talking about all of the benefits of reminding ourselves of our mortality. Tonight, I just want to lift up one. And this is informed by one of my favorite authors. This time, it happens not to be C.S. Lewis. However, it is one of C.S. Lewis's favorite authors, um, and he is absolutely one of mine. His name is G.K. Chesterton. Uh, Chesterton was a prolific author at the early part of the 20th century. Um, he was also a very talented artist. In fact, he started his career going to uh, artistic school. And um, one of the themes he lifts up more than a few times in his writing is the theme of uh, borders or limits or frames. And I'm not going to get into the deep weeds about everything he talks about, but if you think about it in terms of art, again, which is part of what he's getting at, his point is a piece of art is not less valuable because it has a border, but in fact is more valuable. The fact that a piece of art has limits, that it has a border, that it has a frame, that it doesn't expand forever, makes what's inside that frame more rather than less valuable, more rather than less precious. And the same point, I would suggest, can be made about our lives, which also have a border, have a frame, have a beginning and an end. And because of that beginning and the end, I think Chesterton and other Christian writers would say, our lives, therefore, uh, are more rather than less valuable. That what's inside of those boundaries of our birth and our death, in this lifetime anyway, again, as Christians, we believe ultimately we will be with God eternally. But what's between those boundaries is more precious, precisely because our life has boundaries. And so we come tonight to sort of reflect on that fact and to reflect on those boundaries. And we're doing a couple of other things in the weeks ahead. One of them is during the season of Lent. One of them you can sign up for tonight and will be uh, actually happening later this fall or spring. I'll talk about that in a second. But the first thing to sort of bring this point of boundaries uh, to, or bring the question of boundaries to a point, I guess, is we have three blackboards that we've set up, made by Ted Fust, by the way. Thank you, Ted for your outstanding work with them. Um, and two of them right now are in the narthex, one of them is in the basement. Uh, and you can read about this in your bulletin. They're part of a sort of global movement to ask this question, but even if it weren't a global movement, honestly, I think it's a really uh, powerful and profound question. And on these blackboards is a simple question at the top, and it simply says, before I die, I want to dot, dot, and there are pieces of chalk on each of the chalkboard or chalkboards. And our invitation to all of you is to go to those chalkboards and write down something that comes to mind. And it doesn't have to be profound. One of the things I mentioned this at the last hour is someone wrote, before I die, I want to catch a 30-inch walleye. Um, I do not know why that's so significant, not being a fisherman, but evidently someone talked to me after last hour. It's a big deal, I guess. 
Anyway, so we hope by the end of Lent, and these chakras will be up throughout Lent, uh, we'll take them down for Easter and we'll put them up again um, after that. But our hope is that they just get filled with all of our dreams of what we want to do before we die. That's the first thing. The second thing, as I mentioned, is something we've never done before. It's a multi-week series uh, called um, Living Well for All of Your Days. And again, the, the point of it is, it is sort of to lift up, one day we will not be here. How do we want to live in the meantime? It, it begins actually in April, um, but you can sign up for it at a desk out there in the narthex where Jerry and Rebecca are sitting and waiting to talk to you. And I, hello there, Jerry and Rebecca. Thank you for your, your service there. Um, and again, it'll give us a chance uh, to ask some hard questions, to learn some things. And one of the points I want to make about um, uh, questions like this, you know, what do I want to do before I die, is in this space, it's not simply an individual question, right? The older I get, the more convinced and convicted I become that we who gather here are family. We are brothers and sisters of one another. So one of the incredible gifts of a place like this is that we can ask those kind of questions alongside other people who care for us and who love us. So in the next 40 days, as we um, meditate, as we repent of our sins, as we reflect on who we are and who God is, as we ask the question, what do I want to do before I die, as we prepare for this end of life series? Who knows? Maybe we'll learn something about ourselves Maybe we'll learn something about the people sitting near us that will allow us to love them and care for them more fully. And maybe we will learn something from the God who loves us about how we should spend the one holy and precious life that God has given us. Amen.